Welcome back to eConversations with Nate, the official podcast for the National Association for Business Economics and your one-stop shop for catching up on the latest in business economics on the go. Today's podcast is the webinar replay of the NAEB Business Condition Survey Results webinar held on April 24th, 2023. Survey Chair Carlos Herrera discusses the Q1 2023 results in the near-term outlook with survey analysts Kirti Gupta, Sarah Rutledge, and Lester Jones. Carlos, I will hand it over to you. Thank you very much, Caitlin. And let me share my video here. Um, good afternoon, everybody. And uh, first and foremost, I would like to say thank you to my colleagues, uh, Kirti Gupta and Sarah Rutledge and Lester Jones for joining me and uh, on this release today in, uh, uh, in addressing uh, some of your questions in, in later on. So the way we're gonna proceed with this, uh, I'll present uh, the highlights of the results and, and then we'll open up uh, with the time remaining to, to discuss some of the things and, and also the, the, the special questions that we have in the survey. All right. So with that in hand, I'm going to go to the, uh, to the survey and read the headlines. Uh, uh, the critical headline here is that the NAEP survey panel remains optimistic regarding sales. This in the face of a slowing economy. Uh, in talking, and this is the highlights of the, of the survey, uh, sales growth in the first quarter of 23 improved from the previous quarter. And uh, on the profit margin side, uh, they uh, remained under pressure. Uh, the NRI, the net, uh, net rising index, which is the number of panelists that report in a rising uh, profit margin versus uh, minus the panelists that reported uh, um, declining uh, margins is, is so uh, it registered a minus set, minus eight as more panelists reported falling profits that was 29% versus those rising profits, which was 22%. The net rising index for prices charged fell from 41 in January in the January survey to 34 in the April survey. This is the lowest reading since July, 2021. The net rising index for materials cost in April is 50 down 26 points from the record high uh, NRI of 76 in July of 2022. The share of respondents reporting rising wages over the past three months held steady at 63 for a third consecutive, consecutive survey. And the NRI for employment dropped to zero in the April survey. This meaning that as many panelists reported increasing employment as decreasing employment. Uh, this is the lowest reading that we have had since the July and October 2020 surveys when the NRIs were negative. Uh, the survey results indicate that capital spending is, uh, the panelists are perceiving that is the less panelists are reporting rising uh, capital spending versus uh, more panelists reporting uh, slowing down uh, capital spending. Uh, this is um, uh, when we look specifically at the net rise in index for capital spending on equipment, information, and communications technology. Uh, is this was the lowest reading since October of 2020. 
the survey results reflect a decline in the structure's capital spending. The net rising index is zero compared to eight in the January survey. And the percentage of respondents reporting shortages for all inputs is lower than in the January survey. And uh, this is uh, something that uh, uh, we have noticed an improvement that uh, hopefully in the supply chain says less respondent are, are reporting shortages. Um, and then follows the, the special questions that um, I'm gonna open it up a little bit to the panel in here so that uh, we can take a look at, at each one of the, of the questions. And the first question is regarding labor shortages, uh, which is the one um, that, that I have. And, and I'm gonna uh, talk a little bit about uh, the, the labor shortages. And um, for the first time since January, 2021, a majority of respondents, and that was 53% report no shortages at their firms over the past three months. So that, that this is the first time, as I just said, that this has happened since 2021. And the most significant improvements came in raw materials and, and intermediate inputs, uh, both registered an 8% uh, point decline in the share of respondents indicating that their firms experience shortages in these inputs. Um, also, the percentage of respondents reporting shortages in skilled labor decreased to 33% from 40% in January. So what we see is, is the panelists are indicating that the shortages are, are, are becoming less and less, and, and this is a good thing, which uh, uh, will possibly indicate that the supply chains are, are healing uh, at whatever rate in the different areas that they are. The first specific uh, special questions has to do with labor shortages more specifically. And here, uh, there is an interesting dynamic, kind of a barbell thing. Um, almost half, 45% of the, of the panelists report that they were not facing, not facing any labor shortages. Uh, on the other side of the barbell, uh, they said, 22%, almost a quarter, reported that they don't expect their labor shortages to start to abate until Q4 of 2023 or later. So you see this almost half say, no, uh, we're not facing any labor shortages and, and a quarter that says, we're still experiencing them and we don't expect them to start to abate until late in the year or later. So uh, the, the second question is if, um, uh, and forgive me panel, I don't remember, I, I think I had the second question as well in terms of the shortages. This refers specifically to, to receiving materials. And here it's similar to the question on, on labor, uh, about half of the panelists reported not facing any shortages on the materials. Uh, but in contrast with the labor where a quarter expects for them to start to abate in Q4 or later, of 23, over here on the materials, only 4% report that they expect to those shortages that are experiencing uh, one start to abate uh, until Q4 or later. That's only 4% in terms of the materials. Uh, question three is, uh, what are the biggest down service for your company outlooks? And, and this, I'm gonna let um, uh, Sarah uh, jump, jump in here. And then Lester will lead us a little bit on the upside risks. Thank you, Carlos. 
so we asked respondents what the biggest downside risk to their outlook um, over you know the next three months to a year. Um, and we asked them with a number of categories they could respond to. Um, and not surprising to me, coming from uh, the real estate sector, um, the two main answers were higher interest rates and inflation. Um, 27% of respondents cited higher interest rates as a risk to their outlook, and 25% cited increased cost pressures. Um, <clears throat> although the sample sizes are very small, um, it's interesting that among goods producers in transportation, utility, uh, and construction, uh, those sectors had some responses also higher interest rates and inflation, but also tighter credit conditions came up among those two sectors um, as a concern moving forward. And I will pass it over to Lester to talk about the upside risks. Thank you very much. Yeah, the upside risk is just the inverse of the downside risks and that what we have. And if you look at the table in the in the, in the report, you'll see that our, 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 our largest response goes to lower than expected interest rates. Clearly, as the economy changes, inflation changes, and we get different uh, uh, responses and, and opinions out of the marketplace in general, we can see that a lot of folks are interested in seeing that as an upside risk, mostly in the finance, insurance, and real estate sector, clearly, because they are the most dependent upon that. Our second upside of risk that people see is this rapid increase to the labor force, which we also see as the economy slows down and we hear about layoffs and we hear about the labor market getting looser and more people becoming available. That becomes a good upside risk for many of our respondents in, uh, in our response. And those are kind of like the highlights of it. I do like this idea that the COVID number in there, it's very, very small, much more concentrated in that service sector where we do have the illness that is running around and it is, but it is impacting services mostly as they are the ones that tag it as, um, as, as an upside risk, as also it is in the downside risk as well. Thank you, Lester. And I, I think for question, um, the next question I think is about cost increases and, and whether they're being passed to the customer. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a shot at, at that one. And here the, the panelists, um, uh, basically if you look at it, it's like 71% of the panelists are reporting that they are passing the cost increases, at least some of them to the customers and only 24% are not. Uh, there is a remainder of 4% of respondents in there is that they, they are not experiencing any cost increases, which I, it's always interesting. But uh, this is, this is uh, to say that, that whatever inflationary pressures are still being felt on the cost side are, are being passed to the customer by the vast majority of respondents. And uh, with that said, I'm, I'm going to let Curti now uh, tackle the most difficult question of them all and see what the panelists are saying about a recession in the next 12 months. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, in terms of probability on put that survey respondents are putting on US entering a recession over the next 12 months, and I would have loved to poll our audience today. It's a real even split. It's almost a 50-50 split where, you know, the panelist views are nearly divided on, you know, around half of them, 44% put a greater than 50% probability of the U.S. entering the recession and 53% indicate the probability of 
less than 50% of the US entering a recession. It's pretty much con consistent, slightly more optimistic than our January survey, but we are really splitting here at this point where the number of respondents that were assigning a higher probability of US entering a recession was a little bit higher, 52% instead of 43, but really we are at a 50-50 even split. And I kind of explained that by the results that you have all shared, you know, we see some cooling of the economy, right? We see a little bit downward uh, pressure on the prices. We are seeing, you know, the labor market's cooling. We are seeing wage rises, the increases in wages cooling off slightly, but uh, we are still at a point where um, the central banks are vigilant and, uh, and uh, we have to wait and see uh, how much of this cooling uh, can continue. Go ahead, Lester. <laughs> oh, it was the glass half empty or is the glass half full? And that was our discussion when we were getting ready to prepare for this is that's kind of what we talked about mostly. Is this half empty or is it half full? Should we go through the detailed tables now? Well, we can do that. But, you know, I would like to, to, to ask of us a little bit on this mm -hmm. split. I, I mean, it seems to me uh, interesting that it is, it is not a foregone conclusion that we're going to go into a recession. Our panelists are, are evenly divided. And, and so it seems that this is reflective of, of the commentary that we hear. We're going to have a soft landing or not a soft landing. And, and, and really whether we're going to officially enter a recession or not. But I think uh, our panelists uh, are showing some optimism on the sales side, even, even as the cost pressures remain. And, and that's, that seems to be a fragile equilibrium in here that might tilt us one way or the other. But I would like to, to hear the, the panelists' uh, uh, thoughts about this, this ambivalence. Okay, <laughs> I, I think it starts with the data that we have at hand. And when you look at the sales data and you look where we started, uh, you know, J January and October, the optimism of the net rising index for sales was low single digits. And now for this survey, when you look at your, your detailed sales uh, for April 2020, you see that we're back up to 30, which is a little bit more consistent than where we were before a lot of the talk of the recession started hitting. And even the expectations table that you look at, we'll see that the NRI for that is also at 25, which means it's relatively high. Um, yeah, it was down at five in January of 2020 and of uh, the 2023 survey as well. So those are all just it's a shift in how our panelists are viewing business conditions that are driving their businesses and their industries forward. And I think when you look at profit margins as well, which is a, the, the second table there in the, the front of the report. When we had these for like three surveys in a row, we were, we were minus 11, minus 10, minus 25 net rising index. We had a, a, a lot of respondents saying that they were expecting the profits mar profit margins to fall, but as profits, as prices have kind of been holding up there uh, and things have changed, it's, it's, it's gotten a little bit better. So it's a minus eight now for the, uh, for the profit margins. And it's a, uh, it's not positive what we're used to having, but uh, it's not as bad as it was. So that's that half glass, half empty, glass, half full uh, outlook. And it also plays into the expectations for the next three months as well, where you can see the, uh, the, the NRI is pretty much the same as what it is for here. It's about a minus six, which is an improvement over previous surveys. 
And as you know, that plays into the prices that we charge, right? <laughs> and when you look at what's going on, the price, the, the NRI for prices was in October was 43, it went to 41, and now it's 34. So there's this a little bit of abatement in prices that they're expecting to charge going forward. I like that. It's it, it kind of gives you this, like I said, how you get to this, this conclusion that you know, we're not ambivalent about a recession is because we're looking at how the industries and, and our, our respondents are accepting price changes, margin changes, and sales changes together. So anyway, that's my comments for those. Sarah? Um, yeah, I think I'll jump in, particularly wages and employment um, tells that same story is the glass half full or half empty. Um, there's definitely a picture of cooling, um, but things don't necessarily look that bad. Um, you know, in the case of employment, as you mentioned, Carlos, the headline is that the, the net rising index or the NRI, it fell to zero in the April survey, which is down from 15 in January down from 22 a year ago in April 2022. And it's also the lowest reading since the NRI for employment was negative in 2020. Um, and historically a negative NRI does is associated with an economic downturn. Um, and the forward-looking NRI, NRI is also is negative, right? So you're looking at, you're definitely looking at cooling employment. But then you turn around and look at the wages, the information on wages, you have roughly two thirds of respondents reporting rising wages in the prior quarter. Um, and that's unchanged from three consecutive surveys. Um, and then the NRI for wages is also 63 and unchanged from January. Um, so employers are still paying more for workers. They're maintaining their workforce. Um, they may not be hiring more going forward, um, but there's no you know, weakness in wages. And then you look forward to the next three months. And yes, there are fewer respondents. There's 43% of respondents expecting their firms to rise for to increase wages, pardon me, over the next three months, which is a smaller share, but it's still a very big number. So, you know, you can see companies sort of working out how they're going to satisfy sales that are quite optimistic in the front half of the survey, deal with cost pressures by you know, raising wages where they need to, to keep their talent in place, um, but not necessarily hire more. Thank you, Sarah. Just on the capital spending, Curry. Uh, okay, before we quickly pivot to capital spending, you know, my two cents here, I do kind of, put myself in the glass half full category here. Uh, just quickly looking at the data, right? We Everything is baked in the prices and the wages, um, basically labor prices data. Uh, because once you see cooling there, you see cooling in inflation, uh, you'll see basically a cooling of the pressure from the central, central banks to increase or keep the interest rates uh, at elevated high levels. And I see some optimism there in our data from the survey. I see you know, a little bit of cooling in the prices. Uh, wage increases are still high, but they have reduced since, you know, their peak in uh, 2021. So they are sort of on coming down and stabilizing. And employment, look, you know, in the context of employment being at, unemployment being at an all-time low of three and a half percent, the NRI of zero for employment is a good thing. So I'm sort of hopeful that, you know, it's working. 
uh, that uh, we see a little bit of slowdown, cooling down, but we also see some reduction of these underlying inflationary pressures like the shortages, this intermediary goods that were, uh, you know, there were shortages um, uh, that, that really we don't see anymore, right? We are, we are seeing a little bit of recovery there. Now, quickly moving to your question, Carlos, on uh, capital spending. Same story there, story of cooling a little bit uh, in terms of uh, overall capital spending and structures capital spending from uh, companies. Uh, in January, in the previous survey, our NRI was at 30. Now it's at 18. So that means that far fewer number of respondents are reporting rising capital spending. It used to be like 36%, but now only 27, 29% are saying we are seeing an increase in our capital spending. And, uh, and it sort of seems to be consistently going down now and expected to in the future across sectors. Um, same thing in the um, equipment, information and communications and technology capital spending. Uh, quite a bit of decline here uh, from, you know, to used to be 35 in January, it's down to 19. And uh, this decline is going to, again, continue over the next three months um, across different sectors. And finally, for structures capital spending, you know, survey results are, they're showing equal number of respondents reporting rising and falling capital spending on structures at their firms over the past three months. Now it's zero compared to eight in the previous survey. So again, consistent story of cooling. Excellent. Excellent. Um, just uh, so in the little time that we have left, Caitlin, do we have any questions from the audience? We don't have any right now, but I would definitely encourage the audience to submit any if they do. All right. So, you know, why I, I think go, go ahead, Kirti. You know, one thing I wanted to also note in terms of an optimistic story with the story of the bank failures, SVB, and so on, I was um, pleasantly uh, surprised. I mean, I was like, op I saw optimism in noting that only 9% of the survey respondents noted any kind of risk of credit um, access in their potential downside risk. No, I agree with you. It's it, it was very surprising to me as well that it was as low as it was. The reading there, the reports of issues with with credit, both on the downside and the upside, and and that it might be that it takes a while to filter through. But at least for now, the panel is saying that that they are not encountering any issues regarding credit. All right. Uh, well, uh, it doesn't look like we have any more questions. So, Sarah, Curti. Lester, thank you very much for joining me in, in this release. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of eConversations with NAVE. We hope to see you July 17th and 18th for the NAVE Foundation Economic Measurement Seminar at the Four Seasons Hotel in Washington, D.C. The seminar provides a unique opportunity to learn about federal agency data directly from the producers of the data. Pairing the data producer with a data user, the seminar provides a comprehensive picture of the importance and different uses of economic measurement today. If you previously attended, we encourage you to come back for Track B sessions. Spend some time exploring measurement on hot topics such as consumer sentiment, the energy revolution, housing affordability, manufacturing, wages, consumer spending, and the debt crisis. The early bird deadline is June 14th. Please visit neve.com slash EMS 2023 for more information and to register.